Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Morning footy. Here's a look at a big matchup coming up today. FIFA Club World Cup final between Man City and Fluminense kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern, which you can stream on FIFA Plus. Man City with a chance to win their fifth trophy of the season. But uh, it's not going to be an easy task against Fluminense, and Man City will be without a couple of their big stars. There was uh, a rule that if you didn't play in the semifinal or make that roster, those players are unavailable uh, for the final. So the likes of Erling Holland, Kevin De Bruyne uh, will not be available for this Man City side. Uh, but here's, we saw a look at what Man City has won this season and uh, a chance to win a fifth trophy in 2023. Pretty incredible stuff. Do they get it done? I mean, it's look, it's probably not going to be their toughest competition quality-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Manchester City has a lot more quality than you probably can get or can even afford to have in the Brazilian leagues. That said, this isn't their full squad. And I'm not sure how, I'm not sure that they're as interested in winning this as, say, a Fluminense would, especially after Fluminense buying the Copa Libertadores, I mean, winning the Copa Libertadores, coming out looking really good in this competition. They've got some big players. They've got Ganso, who's got seven assists and three goals. They got Herman Cano, who's playing out of his skin in this league, especially in uh, Genese's system, which is very difficult to do when he is the main sort of, uh, he is the pendulum by which that whole system swings. He's got one assist and ten goals. I feel like the Fluminense players are going to come out to ball. And Manchester City, not at their full squad, maybe not having this competition be the most important in their year? No, I think this is Pep Guardiola's side. Oh, 100%. You're, you're, they're motivated to win. Pep? That's why they're at this level, because of that intention to win all the trophies. And they want this silverware. I mean, Pep Guardiola talked about only two other English Premier League teams have won this trophy. To be one of the teams to win every single trophy available, mm-hmm. That you're trying to make history. This is something they want. They are going out to win this game. The intensity will be there. They want this trophy. You're not wasting your time to play in this tournament and not try and win. Alexis, how dare you disrespect Pep Guardiola like that? You know he's a winner, bro. You know he wants to win. You (laughs) think he's going to get to the final to have a participation trophy? Nah, that's not Pep Guardiola, bro. But what message does it send to not have Erling Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, and Jeremy injured. There's nothing you can do about that. They're injured. They were injured, and they're in the rules. Because they didn't play in the semifinal, they can't play in the final if they're not in the squad. And that's a good thing for this competition. I think that's great. You can't save your superstars not to play in the semifinal and then all of a sudden want to put them out in the final. Mm-hmm. The thing that I like about this game is, the difficult thing about this is the style of football we're going to see. Guardiola the has Brazilia played are, three times. He's won he's twice. He's won it three times. Which was the third one? He won it twice with Barca. Barca and Bayern. He won it with Bayern? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But it's a style of football that's going to be interesting because how Fluminense play is something that Manchester City are not used to. They haven't come across that style of football. There's a lot more freedom, a lot more rawness, a lot more uh, the Brazilian way, so to speak. And even Pep Guardiola has said it, watching Fluminense play is like watching old Brazil because they really go out there and play that samba style. That's going to be difficult to coach against when you've got players that are so used to playing in a structured, rigid system, knowing it's a lot more pass movement and thinking like that. comparing it to an individual creativity element where these players have the freedom to be creative and not be so predictable. That's going to be the interesting style. But both teams want to win it. Pep for his winning mentality and what he's trying to establish Mm -hmm. in Manchester City. Fluminense, because in Latin America, this is the biggest creme de la creme. To have that crest on your shirt, to say you are the best club in world football, 
it means so much to these teams, the fans, and people in that Latin American region. So and it's going to be great. But yeah. this is a Fluminense side that has a bit of experience in older players. I mean, we're looking a at bit. seven players over the age of 30, two of which uh, are 40 or older. How does that affect this team? Is that a, a positive thing or do you think that's the same age as Alexis? <laughs> Come on. They, uh, they didn't, it didn't bother them for uh, Copa Libertadores, which is a very difficult competition to win. That's their oh, Champions yeah. League in South America. And, you know, uh, Nigel talked about the style of play. They want to play into pressure. They want to play through your pressure. They mm -hmm. want to do the, it's called the, the Escadera. It's uh, three players in a row diagonally cut through. It's a style of play that Manchester City's not used to. It's uh, similar to someone who has like maybe you know, a boxer going against someone in a bar fight. It's just, they're not following the same rules you're following. <laughs> They'll be super motivated as well. <laughs> They'll be super motivated as well because they're facing Manchester City. Like, they're very aware 100%. of Manchester City, the dominance in Europe, who they are. And you talk about them being used to obviously knowing of Real Madrid and Barcelona, but now Manchester City is this new entity. Mm. These players in there will be definitely so motivated to beat them. You know, and it's not just... Fluminense, they'll be representing a whole region. Forget Brazil, it's that whole region yeah. will want that respect that we can still compete with top European clubs. So for Man City then going up against an unorthodox style of play and a very motivated Fluminense team, Charlie, how does Pep uh, tactically go about this matchup? They play their style. They force Fluminense to adjust. Pep, Pep's not coming into this thing. Oh, Fluminense is the best team. We got to change the way we play. No, they're going to stick to what they do really well. And you expect players like Julian Alvarez to, to come through and, and be good in this competition, without, especially without Erling Holland to win this game for them. Phil Foden, who had a great semifinal, to come in and, and play well. So when you have players like Rodri and, and, and Jack Grealish and, and Phil Foden. They're stacked. You, you think the talent disparity is, is too great? I wouldn't say it's too great. I just really think it's going to be very interesting. And with Pep, he will make in-game uh, adjustments because he really doesn't that. He'll be well prepared. But how the game starts to go, he will adjust his players and change and be specific in identifying areas of weaknesses with this Fluminense side. That's what he does. He doesn't get credit for it because people don't see it. He has his style in his system, but depending on games, how games go, he makes adjustments to players and specifically areas of attack and how to do it. Well, he'll be well prepared. We know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's going to come in. He's already identified their weaknesses ahead of this. What, what's great about a, play, a coach like Pep Guardiola is he's phenomenal when it comes to preparing his team, setting up the team, having a style, an identity. But it's another thing to make those in-game substitutions, in-game in-game tweaks of tactics. He does that perfectly. And so it's hard to bet ever against the Pep Guardiola side. Just based on that alone, picking the right talent, but also knowing when to sub the talent and, mm -hmm. and making those changes. He, he does that better than anyone. Yeah. So. The right. toughest thing about Fluminense style is it's fast or fa uh, fa a feast or famine. So they're either going to ball on you or you're going to completely outscore them because it's easy to pick them apart if you can get around that sort of centralization that they like to do. So uh, it's difficult to decide who's going to win. Uh, personally, I think maybe Fluminense guts it out 2-1. Or maybe in penalties. Guts it out and, like, wins? Yeah. Fluminense? All right. 2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City, 2-0. I'm going penalties, too. I think it's going to go to penalties. And I'll, I'll probably say I can see Fluminense maybe doing it in penalties if it goes. Wow. Oh, right. I was not expecting that. Right, I'm with Charlie on this one. I think uh, City get the job done uh, in regular time. I'm going to say 2-1. I think it'll be a little bit close. Who gets the goal? John Kennedy or Fluminense? Marcelo? Kennedy's. Running down the wing as a, as, a, uh, as a bench player? And let's not forget, it was City has also stolen one of uh, the best players from Fluminense a few years ago, that Kayaki. Uh -huh. He's at Man City's academy, and he's a great, great player. And they took another one, I believe. Name slips me, but they've got some talent. That's why they're playing all, right. all the 40-year-olds. That's all they have left. <laughs> Split opinions <laughs> on Same the age, desk right? for how we think no, this one's going to go. Uh, we will take a break. When we return, 20. we've got more morning footy coming your way here next.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Madrid still creating chances, still scoring goals, and still looking a massive threat. Oh, they've got it! Unbelievable! Down to ten men! Well, a big goal on the night, but could be such a big goal in the season as well. Betis whipping the corner. It's Iglesias played across again. Almost from Svacarvalho. Another effort! And there is the equaliser! Kirman Pizzella wears the captain's armband with pride in the second half. Another free header, another goal! 3-1 to Mallorca and it's Rayo, the captain. Victory for Mallorca. Here's a look at yesterday's La Liga results. Girona fall to second place after a 1-1 draw with Real Betis. Real Madrid leapfrogs Girona into first after a 1-0 victory over Alaves. Cadiz and Real Sociedad drew 0-0. And Mallorca getting a 3-2 win against Osasuna. And uh, the real storyline from this game was the scenes before the match. Take a look at this. As you can see, some uh, some fire sticks. Uh, I don't really know how you would describe those masks. Alexis, you were doing a little bit of research there to find out. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what this it turns is all about. out, turns out Mallorca has found uh, <laughs> home videos of my in-laws. <laughs> oh my and, uh, here they and are. I hope they're not watching. <laughs> here they are on the way to my wedding, performing an exorcism <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. way. Upset that. This uh, is the demons. <laughs> I was marrying their daughter and niece. Uh, no, this is. Uh, this is <laughs> you know, I know some of them watch, so I'm going to be getting text. <laughs> I'll pray for you. You need prayers. We got some holy water on set. He's an exorcism himself. No, this is actually the. Uh, it's like an old. It's a traditional celebration. Uh, showing the struggle between good and evil, which generally happens around this time of year. Uh, the um, the thousand faces of evil, it's called. Uh, so that's your is, face, then. Yeah, that's what I call a, my Ooh. wife's family's cookout. They that's saw you at the <laughs> top of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> the fire comes I'm out. Like, oh, have you met Nan? <laughs> Well, your Christmas is about to be real awkward. I hope I, when I you actually, said you had honestly, a lot of gifts to buy, I hope. Honestly, <laughs> forgot it was Christmas coming up. I hope so you, hope you uh, got some real good ones for them <laughs> after that stinger. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about this uh, La Liga table, shall we? Girona um, fall into second place after that one one. Tr- it's like Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> Girona. Yes. In second place, after that 1-1 draw against Real Betis, they get mm-hmm. uh, the penalty in the 39th minute, and Real Betis hang on till the end, getting a goal in the 88th to, to equalize. Just what was all of your reaction to that game, and was it a matter of time before Girona got leapfrogged by Real Madrid, a, given how close it was? It was a pretty even game. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was impressed with Real Betis, the way that they approached the game. Ayosi Perez trying to create in the, in the attacking third. Uh, I, I think... Both teams had about the same amount of chances. Uh, it's 21 shots for Betis, but only four on target. And Girona had 12, but they had, I'd say, a fair, a fair amount of the possession. It was 53-47% um, in favor of Girona. But I think Savio was a little bit wasteful in this match. He created the penalty kick uh, that Dovbik converted. But ultimately, um, I was really impressed with, with Betis in this game. I think uh, Juan Miranda, their, their left back, 23-year-old uh, Spanish international, he got he got involved pretty often. Look at that little combination from Iosi Perez. Ooh. Combination. Just He just didn't get enough on that rebound. And it was uh, an unlikely goal scorer in German Pazela who, who gets the goal for them in the 88th minute, but they look good, Real Betis. And, and Girona, they, they're playing away. It's not easy. I mean, this is the goal from Pezela. It's a bombazo, but this is a center back getting up there to score. Uh, it was, Girona showed uh, some weaknesses in this game, but again, they got a point to play away from home. It's better than obviously losing, but I think to keep up with Real Madrid, 
this is a game that you need to win. And Real Madrid. Listen, let's be real. Girona, the surprise package right now. No one expected Girona to be where they are right now. I look at it from a more positive, positive perspective in trying to win championships and build something. They still didn't lose. Yeah. And like you said, going to Real Betis is not an easy not place easy. to go and get a result. And yet, while they're the surprise package, you look at Real Betis, how they approach that game. They were taking it serious to say, right, these are the top of the table team. It's not, mm -hmm. oh, Girona, we're going to get an easy win. No. They're showing Girona respect. And I think Girona coming out with a point is great for them in their pursuit of, let's say, minimum top four finish. But they are still in this That's title. And they're still, That's it. Yeah. And Girona still tied with Real Madrid on points. Real Madrid yeah. only moving to first on goal differential. Um, but a big win for Real Madrid yesterday is they Oof. needed to just keep getting results to keep pace between, it's really between Girona and Real Madrid at the moment with a, a little bit of distance between them yeah. and, and Barcelona. Like Betis Real is also trying to get into European spots as well. This was a yeah. tough match for both of them. They're both trying to prove they are of that ilk, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, Betis did well in, in Europa League, mm -hmm. um, but you look, at, you, you look at Real Madrid and they nearly let this slip because Nacho gets a red card yeah. and it's a, it's a poor ta challenge on his part. VAR has to intervene and, and give that red, but um, Luke, you can see here, he, he absolutely studs Samu, uh, Samu right in, in the Achilles there. Studs exposed. Wow, it's just a you could, scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah back in your up. day for sure. But <laughs> Lucas Vasquez gets the, the stoppage time header off the Tony Cruz corner. You, you love to see this. this is, this is not who you expect to get on the end of a set piece to win the game for Real Madrid, but this That's is more like mode. being down a man on the road at Deportivo, and I, I was actually impressed with the way Deportivo tried to play out of pressure constantly. They, they were saying, this is how we play. We're sticking to the way we play. No matter how much Real Madrid presses us, we're going to try and find a ways out, and, and, and they did it was for brave. a lot of it. It was great. But Real Madrid brave. also showed that even though they don't have all the players right now that they got injuries, they're still a, they're yeah, still a title-winning team. They I, are, let's be real, though. This was a championship run, bro. This is a result yeah. that means you are title contenders. Let's be real, but did you really learn anything new from Real Madrid? Like, this is what Real Madrid do. Nah, like, I just sat back Deportivo. and I said they still got it. You know what no, I mean? No, but you know this is what Real Madrid's been about historically throughout the years this is what it's about when you go to Real Madrid as a player you'll know it's the finished article like this is what they expect from you Deportivo should be really upset with how that went they've gone no, down the man the I way that they conceded you. that goal look at that goal from the corner in the set piece. I disagree like, with they, you on they're that. not even marking he's free to get a free header in the box this is an opportunity you don't get many opportunities to beat the big boys and especially when they go a man down you've got to seize it for me you can't concede a goal like this who's marking him yeah. Three, four Deportivo players there. You're leaving a Real Madrid player unmarked. This was definitely a, especially when you're up a minute. Do you know how Come much on. better Real Madrid are than Deportivo? But they played their style. They, they I mean, for, for large parts of the game, they were, they were uh, creating okay. in, in getting into the attacking third for a team that Causing is... Causing fits. My yeah, point is this. this okay, Real Madrid, but my exactly point is this. Said. You know that already from Real Madrid. From a Deportivo's perspective, you got to be pissed. You've got to be upset because that is a big opportunity lost. Down a man, you just can't concede such an easy goal like that when you're playing top-class players. I, yeah, you know, and look, their manager will walk away thinking we missed an opportunity yes. where we could have at least taken kind of a point. point. Yeah, you were home, you were up a man. But to be able to hang with Real Madrid as long as they did, impressive. They really caused fits. The, the most impressive for me is Real Madrid, Madrid said, we're down a man. We're not in first place. We, a lot of our stars are injured. We're still going to go away and win. Find a way to win in the last dying seconds. That's, that's a title. That's Real Madrid, bro. I, 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 can't, say, get, I, I can't, can't, I can't get impressed one. with that. I'm Nigel on this one. I you think can't. if you are able to hang with a team like Real Madrid for as long as Deportivo Alves did in that match, especially with where they're sitting in the table at 16th, and then – you give up a goal in stoppage time off of a set piece, unmarked, runner in the box, when you header, have an extra open man. header. Yeah. Come on. It's a missed yeah. opportunity, that, but that, it's Real Madrid. Right. Yeah, but, no, but that's, player, that's the point. That's why you should be. could have made that. If you have an open header in the box right there at the edge of the six, like, that should be going in the back of the net. I don't care if you are a Real Madrid, Man City, or Sheffield United. I honestly feel that's like we're point. all agreeing. I don't we know. are. I feel like we're all saying the exact same thing. We're all agreeing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. All right. Can we all be in agreement that – 
times are tough for Barcelona right now. They flew Ooh. all the way to Texas Bro. Uh, Broke this, boys. this week. Broke boys tour. <laughs> Yo, they in the mud, bro. Uh, they took on a Club America. They took on Club America in a friendly in Texas last night, in case you didn't know. A lot of people didn't because it was Nobody knew. empty stadium. Look at the stadium. Um, it was for friends and family. And they, <laughs> and they lost the match, but got a reported, what, $5 million? So do we chalk that up as a as a win? This is a, they're lucky they didn't lose any players. Like it, and I, I, I don't squad. understand this because for me, it's you're you're in a, the league title race. You got Europe still, and you come to play this game that absolutely means nothing, all for just the money. It's all about and the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the pound coins. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then you take your top some of your top players to play in a game like this. You're lucky none of them got injured. Yep. For something that means absolutely nothing, it's crazy. For me, I'm not a big fan on it, but it is a brand. Barcelona yeah, this is, is a brand. This is embarrassing if you're Barcelona. the brand of Barcelona look so bad. Yeah, this is Watered weak. down. And then no Watered one showed up. They wanted to play this game at their home stadium, but they said they can't. They're airbnb it. They're, they got to make money. <laughs> They got to find a way. They got to find a way. Just they make sure pay you the wash bills. the towels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure Honestly, you, you strip the beds out. Yeah, how exactly. embarrassing is it down. for Barcelona? This like, is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, 24 hours after your match, you're playing in another country, halfway across the world like, against a Club America who you should beat anyway, and you still lose? There, there, are, there are exceptions, right? So I, I look back at when Chelsea came to play the New England Revolution for charity, and this is for world peace, mm-hmm. for, for battling you know, anti-Semitic... Um, actions that have happened, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek tore his Achilles tendon on the turf. And they had the Europa, Europa League final oh. the following week. And, and that's, that goes to what you're saying about you're risking an injury, mm-hmm. but they saw it's bigger than the game. It's a, and I agree with that. In those instances, 100%. those one-offs, for sure. But to fly across... The, the world to play in a friendly just to collect that five million paycheck. And nobody was there. Yeah. Nobody was there. And this is Barcelona we're talking about at the Azteca. And nobody was there. 110,000 seat stadium. It reminded me when, oh, I, started, when I started okay. my uh, stand-up career. And I'm performing in the basement of a laundromat for three people. That's exactly what they just did. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, man, I wasted that time on the train. <laughs> I wish I would have got paid five mil for that, by the way. <laughs> Dang. This is embarrassing. Yeah. It's, uh, if you're a Barcelona fan, you've <laughs> got to be embarrassed. Would you that say you that they're this? fortunate that loads of people actually didn't even see it and didn't even know the game took place? We're talking about it. It's on TV right now. <laughs> he Look, said that's a live photo tour. of they, the they stadium they played in. Look, hoping, no one's there. They were hoping Broke we wouldn't, but we won't Broke take Boys five tour. to not talk about it. Yeah. Right? So. Actually, I heard they're, ple- they're appearing at 11 Club in Miami. Show up. You can share a bottle <laughs> with Lamine Yamal. <laughs> but how about this? Well, what about this? Do you not think as well? It's bad. Yeah, Robert Lewandowski's the cocktail waitress. But they couldn't even <laughs> this play. This is embarrassing. They couldn't even play into Miami for Lionel Messi. They don't even do that. Bro. And then they go and play Man. Club America. Bro. And they lost 3-2. The they're going to start score. selling. They're going to start selling the used socks <laughs> on, on the Internet. <laughs> it all comes back to the feet. Here on That's what we're all about, folks. All right. We will take a break when we come back. Adriana returns with more headlines. <laughs> to Morning Footy. Thanks for hanging out with us on this fine Friday. Now let's send it over to our friend Adriana for some more headlines. Adriana, take it away. Thank you, Ali. We start with injury news and some bad news for Manchester United, which has a long list of key players set to miss their match against West Ham. Casemiro and Lisandro Martinez have been expected to be back before Christmas, but Erin Tehak confirmed this morning that both players are now expected to be out until mid-January. Man United will also be without injured regulars, Harry Maguire and Mason Mount, as well as Diogo Dalot, who is suspended. Luis Suarez's long-awaited move to MLS is reportedly set to be completed and could be finalized to time in time to give Inter Miami a welcome Christmas gift. According to multiple reports, Suarez has verbally agreed to a contract with Inter Miami and is expected to complete his deal before Christmas. Suarez will be reunited with former Barcelona teammates Lionel Messi, Sergi Busquets and Jordi Alba, also friends. Nigel, when you hear that list of stars for Inter Miami, do you see them winning MLS Cup next year? 
or are they too old? They better win it. <laughs> With that star-studded uh, lineup, they, they have to win it now. You talk about Alba in the back, you got Busquets, you got Messi, you got Suarez. That is what you call a spine, a spine of success. They need to win it with that. And I know that people are going to focus on the age. The MLS is a very athletic-driven league. But when you've got someone... as well. A lot of travel. But when you've got someone like Messi, we've already seen what Messi's capable of. And then you've got Suarez up top now. Suarez is a natural-born finisher. He's going to use his footballing brain. He's in the twilight years, fine wine moment. He's going to score goals for fun without having to be super athletic and running around going crazy. What is the over-under on how many games you think Luis Suarez will start for Inter-Miami? 15. Start? How many do you think he'll play? If you get Luis Suarez in to start the season, he has a full preseason healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I would say 25 games. You're not going to... But yeah, I, that, I think that, that still feels high to me. Inter-Miami... Yeah. With the knees he's talked about openly, how rough the situation is with his knees, I think it's going to be fun. I think he's going to have some great moments, probably most of them at home. I don't know if he's going to want to play on turf. But you're not going to... You're not gonna, let's be real. You're not going to have to all the time. And I think for Inter-Miami, their big thing this year is just making the playoffs. And that's, that, that's the reality exactly. of it. Make the playoffs and then go and win the MLS Cup. And that's the all they Cup. need to do because the biggest issue with Miami last season was that by the time that Messi and all these guys showed up, it was too late. They were in too big of a hole and they, they made their best effort. A lot of people did think that, hey, they're going to scrap their way in. Nine teams made the playoffs, so it, it wasn't a far cry, but it just went to show how bad the beginning of the season was for Miami. But look how far they went in the two competitions where a trophy was available. They went all the way to Lift Leagues Cup, mm-hmm. and they went all the way to the U.S. Open Cup Final. You give them a chance to just get in, and I think they can go really far. The one thing that does scare me, though, is towards the end of that season, once that adrenaline ran off uh, from the League's Cup run, they didn't look as unstoppable. They didn't look like they were the team that – was lighting everything on fire when, when Messi and, and Busquets first got here. Not to say that they're not going to be play that way, not to say they're not going to play well. I have a lot of trust in Tata Martino, who no one is talking about because everyone wants to talk about the players on the pitch. I think Tata Martino is going to be smart enough to position these players. He's going to load manage. He's going to do whatever he has to. But that said, I'm not necessarily sure this is going to be the runaway a lot of people think it will be. I don't be. think it's going to be a runaway, but from, from into Miami's perspective, what you've got to think about is what's the objective here? Minimum, make the playoffs. I don't think they I care about the support. I don't think they, they care about it? the support. Especially shield. you played in the league. You understand this is different than other leagues. You have to. Both of you played in the league. You have to catch momentum towards the end of the season. No, no? you do. But you've got when you make it, you've got Lionel Messi, Busquets. They of already course. know what it's like. We know and the I'm quality's saying, there. Can they put it together to win an MLS? Cup? I believe so. Yes. I think so. And, and I believe as so, it relates yes. to Luis Suarez, Charlie yes. feels like I don't know if you're angry or happy. What's happening in your brain? He's All right, cold. so your shirt feels angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your shirt's squeezing his yeah, chest yeah. right now. I think Luis Suarez, yes, he's openly talked about his knee issues, and I've watched him play with Atletico Madrid in the last season before he left. Um, and I think more of it was to get out of his contract with Gremio. I would hope so. Um, because he still was a leading goal scorer. Mm-hmm. 17 in goals and 11 assists. Oh, yeah, no, I he's mean, got. He's with got those skill. knees, he, that's that'll he be ended, just fine. He ended, he ended with Gremio, he crushed it. He ended on a high to show, hey, I have what it takes. If he's the top goal scorer in Brazil, you tell me he can't be the top goal scorer in MLS? I never said that. I was waiting for you to say something the whole okay. time instead yeah. of twisting up your face like, <laughs> like he's got hey, some gas you need I, to release. I was like, I was did, he, did he eat lemon in I the I was letting you guys go. <laughs> I just so, said Suarez was doing it. He's just sitting there twisting up his face like, yeah. you got gas? What's I'm, I'm like, Who's, who are you mad at, yeah, exactly. You also have to Let remember. Out, are you holding a fart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was letting you guys talk because I was like, I got all this. I, I have a lot I want to say. Well, Tata Martino, let's not forget about Tata Martino. He came in, League's Cup, Proved that what they have is 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 a success for success uh, a recipe for success because Lionel Messi yes you need him on the pitch he can have the free kicks he could he commands so much attention but after they won League's Cup and they got to the final of the U.S. Open Cup and obviously they didn't have Messi for that and they lost to Houston but he decided to bench Joseph Martinez and Joseph Martinez had a good rapport with this group and he went for Campana to start because he knew that they weren't going to stick with Joseph Martinez right. the following season. Yeah. So he was already planning for what was going to be next season's plan, who we wanted to play, giving Noah Allen a, a ton of minutes. Um, now it's about building depth. I, I, there's rumors that Julian, Julian Gressel is a free agent. He had that relationship with Tata in Atlanta. That was the best he'd ever played. Talk about depth pieces. 
know that Inter Miami, the plan is to compete on in all fronts. Mm -hmm. They want to win, obviously, the CONCACAF uh, Cup. Um, CONCACAF Champions, Champions Cup. Cup. They want to win that. They want to win. Uh, they're probably going to want to win U.S. Open Cup as well. But winning, getting the playoffs, that is something that is a must with this crew. As long as you have Lionel Messi in the team, you better be competing for trophies. The, the, the playoff format is very forgiving in Major League Soccer, so it would be a shock if Inter Miami weren't able to do it. They'll High make the expectations. Playoffs, but I think Nigel's right. If they don't win MLS Cup, this wasn't a successful season for them. All they right. have too many stars. High, Which one would they pick, though? Very expectations for Inter Miami. We've got to get to break. Uh, we'll try to get more thoughts on this later on in the show. But coming up next, we are talking some Serie A and this weekend's upcoming matches. Stay with us. Back in Serie A, anything could happen tonight. And that's a good first touch, Pulisic's through, and has the finish. Zirkse, great touch, and this could be a splendid opening goal. A class act to open this civilian derby. Lossiman, great desire, Balotelli! He's lit up the arrow, and he's fired it into the back of the net. Lautaro Martinez strikes again. Serie A's top marksman leaves his mark once more. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here is a look at all of the Serie A Saturday fixtures, which you can stream on Paramount Plus. Frozenone Juventus available on CBS Sports Network. That one kicks off at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Bologna look to continue their impressive run in both Coppa Italia and in Serie A against Atalanta at 9 a.m. Eastern right here on the Galazzo Network. Inter Milan looking to bounce back after that 2-1 loss to Bologna in the Coppa Italia when they take on Lecce at 12 p.m. Eastern. Also here on the Galazzo Network and a big one between 8th place Roma and 5th place Napoli, 2.45 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Galazzo Network. And uh, that is a match that we will focus on, this Napoli side coming off of a really disappointing performance in Coppa Italia. Whether or not it was their priority, losing 4-0 to Frozenone just simply can't happen for this team. And it feels like with all the up and down that we've seen from last year's Scudetto winners, it's been one step forward, two steps back. Charlie, how do Napoli get on the right side of things against Roma come Saturday? Pretty simple. Lukaku, that, that's the answer. They need, they get him back and from suspension. And Lukaku is is key to their success because we know defensively Roma are going to be organized. Pep Guardiola can park the bus better than anybody in the world. He knows how to get the most out of his players defensively. But in terms of going forward, if it's not Paulo Dybala, it, it's it's obviously Lukaku, and Lukaku was the missing piece. They didn't have a striker. They've got a lot out of, uh, of Balotti this season, but Lukaku is the key because he puts himself in good positions. He's got the hold-up play, and he's scoring goals for Roma this season. Eva, I'm deaf. Did you say Pep Guardiola? Or you meant Jose Mourinho? Jose Mourinho. Yeah, you said Pep Guardiola. You said Pep Guardiola. 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 I've got to be yeah. confused myself as well. Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Hey, whoever... Two great managers. Yeah. Whichever striker has the better day is their team's going to win. But I think when you look at Napoli, you talk about Osimhen, him coming back, his presence, the, the aura that he has. Lukaku, very direct. When you look at how the team's set up, like you said, I feel that Roma are probably going to be better organised defensively. Roma looks stronger defensively. And with Lukaku, his physical ability and ability to run in behind, he will cause Napoli more problems. So I think Osimhen's going to have to have a superhuman game alongside Kualaskilia. I know, I love when I say that. Yeah, yeah. you like that, right? I do, bro. That was nice. Creature uh, no, It's like singing. It just, uh, just, just, just flows. Forget that part. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say this. You're, That's think, the partnership. You know Roma is going to play defensively. Yes. Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola. Uh, you know how they're going to set up. You already know. And honestly, you know what Lukaku is going to do. And yes. you might not be able to stop him. You know what I mean? That's the that's the great part about Lukaku. When he's on his game, yeah. you know what he wants to do, and you're just not going to be able to stop him. That said, I think there's more questions as to what Napoli, what 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 is this Napoli under Walter Mazzari, right? I know he's Marco said um, this week that he's got a long leash, and the fans are behind him, so on and so forth. But I don't think we still know exactly what Walter Mazzari wants to do. This is going to be a tough game. It's, They're the second best team away from home versus a team that hasn't lost in their last nine home games in Roma. But this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be. A tough game, but defensively, Napoli looks so bad right now. That's mm -hmm. that's the biggest worry. And the worst person you want to come up against is a Roman Lukaku, and they they know it's a big game as well. This is a massive, massive game that Roma are definitely going to want to win. 
And I just think that Lukaku at times can be so difficult to play against. And when your defence is struggling, that's the one strike you don't want to come up against. You don't and, want a physical big have, striker that can run in behind. Roma have a very difficult schedule ahead. Yeah. So they have Juve after this. They have to pick up games, uh, all the home points. Yeah. You have you have Juve, you have Milan, you have Atalanta. So it's it's a tough Huntley. tough it's schedule. Coming I mean, coming d- does Napoli then on, on the schedule look like a match that you know realistically, if they are going to pick up points, sitting in eighth right now, looking to make a push up the table, does this feel like a game that they're going to be looking at as, hey, we need to get a result? All home games. Here. Yes. All home games. All home games. Pick Statement wins. Yeah. And it would be, absolutely. There you have it. That is a big one coming up this week. And, of course, you can uh, tune in to all of our fantastic Serie A coverage right here on the Galazzo Network and Paramount+. Plus. We'll take a break. When we come back, more Morning Footy your way next. Welcome back to Morning Footy. We are thrilled here on the show to be joined by Toronto FC's new head coach, hired in August, John Herdman, after five years at the helm of the Canadian men's national team. He led Canada's men's team to the first World Cup since 1986, and prior to that, led Canada's women's team to two straight Olympic bronze medals. So, uh, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join the show. And I want to start with your transition from the national team to now coaching a club team in Major League Soccer. What has been the biggest challenge and adjustment as you get ready for this new assignment? Well, I think coming into MLS is it's an amazing league, but it's there's a lot of mechanisms there. It feels a little bit like a Rubik's cube. You know, there's uh, a lot of moving parts, and I think just getting used to the the front office relationship. You know, typically as an international coach, you're, you're selecting from a pool of players, but the interrelationship now with the front office and being able to sort of share your concepts on profiles that fit your identity and and working across that part of the organization's been being exciting. I mean, it's it, it's new learning for me, and I'm pretty fortunate that uh, there's some some top people in in the organization with a lot of experience. John, how excited are you about this? Uh... Toronto project for this season and everything. Obviously, new challenge now. You get to work with players more on a daily basis and consistently than you would uh, international level. Well, I think my, my my career, I've come in and been a bit of a fixer, you know, whether it was my time in New Zealand to the Canadian women and then to the Canadian men. So, I mean, this, is, this sort of hits my bullseye in terms of the things that get me out of bed on the morning. Um, but, you know, it was time that a lot of us have been working behind the scenes internationally now for 15 odd years. And the way that the game's gone, the international opportunities to get players together are really limited. Now, working on the women's side, we were in full-time residencies. We were like almost like a club team. And as the women's game progressed, those international windows become tighter and you couldn't get access to players. So certainly over the five years with the men's team, we missed the day-to-day interactions with players. And you just end up behind Zoom meetings, working behind a desk for most of your days until you get that moment to be with the players. So this is this is it. I mean, this was the moment. Um, you know, you could have stayed and and hung in for another three years to go to a home World Cup, but many of the staff had done that with the women's team. We we led the women's team in twenty fifteen and really enjoyed that experience, full stadiums, etc. But yeah, th- this was the time, and you know, I'm I'm pushing nearly fifty now. So if not now, then when? <laughs> Uh, Coach, I want to ask you a question in particular about your time uh, coaching internationally, which is when we first saw you, uh, you know, obviously with the women's team and then uh, last with the coach of the men's Canadian team. Uh, This question is in particular about something that stood out to me, and I have yet to get find the answer. Uh, You on the sideline were wearing an AirPod every time you coached. Doug, what were you listening to? (laughs) Yeah, just a bit of Bob Marley. Imagine, eh? A couple of podcasts, yeah, just get some advice from top coaches. Nah. I've, I've done this through my whole career. Um, 
my whole career, we've always uh, had an eye in the sky. I used to actually spend, I used to spend the first 20 minutes up top. I mean, Sam Allardyce used to do this back in the day as well. But, you know, I've always believed that the level of information that's coming into the coach is critical. So, you know, what, whatever information you can gather to provide accuracy with your communication is, is going to be key. And you get stigmas around that in the women's game. You know, people people didn't really, you know, mention it, but certainly moving into the men's game, you know, the stigma is, uh, you know, he needs people telling him what to do from up top. We, we have our analysts up top who are gathering sort of data and, and some of the in-game live uh, statistics that are just helping me understand physically where the players are at and, you know, where... Tactically, you know, from some of our measures aligned to our ID, where we might be uh, might be losing losing some some momentum. So, you know, whatever information I can take, uh, I'll, I'll use it. But yeah, I, I I usually take a bit of heat on that as well. But <laughs> there you go. John, I, I was really impressed with how you were able to get the most out of out of the Canadian national team during World Cup qualifying, your tactics being able to change and, and, and put people in a position to succeed. It was really impressive. Um, now you've worked at every level of football, men's, women's, coming into the club scene with, with Toronto FC. How has the emotional intelligence helped you for this role? Because it seems like you're coming into a club that is known for winning, but they've had a really rough go at things for a, a couple of seasons now. How has your your you know challenges throughout your career helped you for this moment? Yeah, I think we we there's a group of us. Uh, you know, as I say, I think coaches are at the front, and when. When it goes bad, you know, we, we take the heat and when it goes well, you know, we get the accolades. But there's a team of five people that have, you know, travelled with me, some from New Zealand and some from the women's side straight across. And I just feel like we've refined our systems, our systems of, you know, how to create that tactical framework and then underpin it with a cultural framework. And the cultural framework is the trust and safety that, that you work on every single day. You know, I have a, a, a cultural wellness manager, Robin Gale, who was one of the female players with the Olympic team in 2012, who has helped us win bronze, helped the women's win gold, helped us qualify. I mean, she's, she's critical to the success of that emotional intelligence because ultimately she sits on my shoulder. She's there you know, making sure that, you know, one, I'm aligning my behaviours to the team's core values and, and being a truth mirror. Uh, and I think that's that, that's a huge part. Many coaches uh, have got to, you know, figure a lot of that stuff out for themselves and look themselves in the mirror. But, you know, I've got good people around us that it's their job to, when we set our standards to make sure the coaching team are living them and that you know, we're creating a consistency in our actions. So the EQ part is has been, you know, part of being a teacher. I mean, I, I didn't play at the levels that many of you guys have played. I'd certainly try to. Um, so therefore, I've had to find a point of difference and, you know, becoming a, a teacher, coach, and then ultimately trying to really master an understanding of leadership has been a a big part of, of the work we've done and ultimately surrounding myself with people that elevate those elements of my performance. And coach, some of that also has to do with knowing when to not take any you-know-what. And I thought it was interesting after you joined Toronto FC, you said the tolerance level of what might have been tolerated in previous preseason arrivals won't be tolerated with this team, with preseason right around the corner for Toronto. What is the expectation? What kind of environment are you looking to set to put this team on the right page and track going into 2024? No frosted blonde tips, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, I think I think coming in, we we spent a good ten days to watch, to listen, to learn, and that was a really important time. I was so happy, like Toronto afforded us that time. We could have came in at the end of the season in November and took over the squad, but we got to see them in their worst moments. We got to see 
some of the behaviors. We got to see how the culture was interacting with the performance. And it was it was pretty clear. Like these men had been beaten up. Like this, they, they were they were traumatized. I mean, you lose that many games. There's there's a genuine sports trauma that's happening there. And with that, there's a level of permissiveness that tends to happen. Like because you 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 know you've been beaten down that much that you just expect less from each other. And the standards uh, have significantly dropped. So, you know, my first interactions with the new leadership group, you know, that was their their rallying cry. Like enough is enough. They they wanted to ensure that, you know, we we got focused on a new standard for the future. And and that was clear in everyone's mind right from the starting point that we accept that there is some trauma here. We've got to move through this and that there's going to be some residual trauma, but we got to, we got to move through it. It, it. And that only happens by one, creating a clear picture of what the future can be at Toronto and then establishing a new set of behaviors. And those behaviors were aligned to a standard that these players are expecting from each other to come in for preseason. So they're hungry. Like uh, I'm really excited. We, we were on with a leadership group just this week, setting the targets for the season and yeah, really excited. Great stuff, Coach. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, too. Will the team be getting swords made? I saw that you did that with the men's national team during World Cup qualifying. Is that part of the budget for uh, the squad going into the season? Oh, I could probably get a shield, swords. I might even get some cannons uh, with, with Toronto. <laughs> Canada soccer, maybe one sword I could afford. So, no, I think I think um, when, you, when you come into a national team and you don't have those too many opportunities to connect. For us, there's, a, there's an important part of creating rituals. Rituals are a huge part of your culture. And we'll, we'll be developing rituals at Toronto FC, but in, in ways that, uh, that, that represent this group of men and, and ultimately the journey they're on. But yeah, I mean, the sword was, uh, was pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, the Costa Ricans confiscated it and it was the it was the we gone 17 games undefeated and uh, they took it off us in customs and then they posted on social media we have your sword and it was the only uh, game we lost well yeah i mean we wow. uh, yeah crazy eh we ended up with 10 men after 25 minutes and we lost that match in qualifying Hey, superstition is a real thing. It's like a Disney film. It really really is. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. That is uh, John Herdman of Toronto FC. Everybody, we will step aside for a quick break. More coming your way next. everybody. Hello. We're here. Uh, closing out the show on this Friday. Here is a Morning Footy Bets recap. I didn't lose. I did. <laughs> you didn't lose, but Alexis, Jimmy, and Suze all lost. And so our gift to them is a little bit of a break. This is the last time for the next two weeks uh, that we will do the bets as everyone will be in and out for the holidays. So that's, that's what's up. But we also, when we talk bets, we have to bring in our good friend, Jimmy Conrad, Mr. Cream Cheese himself. Uh, Jimmy, I, we actually yes. had a bet that you were going to be dressed up as Santa Claus or something, but this is the next best thing in my opinion. So we'll take, uh, we'll take this instead. But uh, how are you and what are your, your picks for this weekend? And let's start with uh, Arsenal Liverpool. Well, I am doing great. Thank you so much, Ali. Um, I know Nigel's ready to throw some slander at me, so I'm just preparing myself, fastening my seatbelt because I've got multiple Premier League jerseys over here. But come on, Nigel, I'm just having some fun. Nigel, I'm just having some fun. Okay, let's talk Liverpool versus Arsenal. Now, these teams like to score a lot of goals. They're averaging more than two goals a game this season in the Premier League. The last time they played against each other, last season two times, 3-2 at the Emirates, 2-2 at Anfield. This one's at Anfield. Both of these teams know how to score. Salah versus Zinchenko. Yes, please. I like both teams to score minus one. 75. That's what's going to happen in this particular game, Allie. And then I'm going to go, this is somewhat my trap game. This is kind of a Charlie Davies bet. So it makes me a little bit nervous because Charlie never wins. But he did have a push over the weekend. And we have uh, Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth. Now, Forest just sacked Steve Cooper. And they brought in Nuno Espirito Santo, who 
Well, he hasn't coached in the Premier League for two years, and it didn't go that well for him at Spurs. However, you have that new manager bounce. So I'm thinking they got to score some goals in front of their home crowd. Bournemouth has been excellent in the last five games, four wins and a draw, and uh, Solanke in particular. I like over two and a half. This one feels a little bit tricky, though. Bournemouth, you just don't know, but I like that at minus yeah, 120. Yeah, that- Stay away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Stay fine. away. I- okay. Well, good, good. I'm glad you're jumping in there, Chuck. And then my last one, I think, for the Premier League. This is Manchester United versus Aston Villa. Ooh. I know this is on Boxing Day. This is a couple days away, but Villa played today against Sheffield United. Man United play tomorrow against West Ham. You give an extra day to Unai Emery to prepare for United. I know it's at Old Trafford, but they haven't really been that good at Old Trafford. Ultimately, you got Man United, who aren't well coached and don't have an identity, versus a team that's only lost once since September 30th in Aston Villa and Unai Emery, who do have an identity and they're an excellent team. And I like them to win or draw. You put all those together, and that is plus three. What is it? I got plus three fifty-two. Fifty dollars wins you two twenty-six. I mean, that's Ooh. like easy money on that particular game. I'm just throwing that one out there for everybody. Uh, who's taking but, uh, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, like, both teams to score is smart. Yeah, I like everything except for that Nottingham Forest. Nah, I'm, there's different I'm ways Jimmy. you can bet that, Chuck. Jimmy, I don't agree you with you a lot, but I agree with you on that one, mate. That new manager bounce, Forest will get the win. I'm with you, Jimmy. I, just want over, I don't even looking for a result there. I just want yeah, over two and, and a half goals. And you goals. know what? I'll take that positivity from Nigel Rio Coker any day of the week. What a what a what a holiday season this you is. See, you see Thank this? you, Nigel. You I appreciate it. We just, we just hit number goals, two on our Nigel Rio Coker being positive for meter. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our, our uh, resident Grinch on the desk, his heart is just growing in Keep size this entire week. Jimmy, what do you think about Charlie's kit? Were his arms crossed because he's cold and uncomfortable because he's wearing a size extra, extra small? Or was he just mad that you said that he typically loses? Well, <laughs> he looks like he's smuggling raisins in that shirt. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. He, this would get blurred on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, my, my teammate was a small guy. Yeah, he was. Jeez. Um, Jimmy, tell me about uh, your your holidays. What what is that? What does Christmas look like in the uh, Conrad household? You know what? I'm gonna end up going down to LA where I'm from. I'm gonna see my family who are all coming back from where they live around the country, and uh, we like to go bet on the horses. So yes, I'm gonna take a little gambling here. But I grew up near the Santa Anita racetrack where Sea Biscuit was famous for, and we like to go there once a year and go have some fun with oh, everybody yes. and, and bet on the ponies. So I'm gonna segue this gambling segment into to more gambling uh, a little bit later. So That's yes, I'm being a proper used degenerate. To play polo, <laughs> Jimmy. Real quick, who's t- who's top of the league uh, start the uh, start of the year? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, what I love about this period of time for England is that they have a blatant disregard for the health of their players. So they just play games every two days for like two weeks. Yeah. So, so Nothing I would wrong with say, that, mate. <laughs> yeah, I guess Nigel's lived through it many, many times. I would say that uh, Arsenal will remain on top. Just okay. come wearing their jersey. I thank thank you for your time, Jimmy. Yeah, great. Yeah, nice. On that note, guy. we say thank you. Jimmy's just a smart guy. Yeah. He's not. Uh, Jimmy, we will actually uh, let you go here. Enjoy your holiday, and thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you. Happy holiday. Thank you. Happy Christmas, Enjoy your Jimbo. Morning footy for life. Let's go. See you guys soon. Let's, Let's go. go. We love you, Jimmy Conrad. You are the best. Well, that's going to do it for us on the show. Susanna and Ian have a wonderful yes. wedding tonight. We cannot wait to see photos and videos coming up next week. Yes. You guys, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Wow. Happy New Year. Do the yes. whole thing. Happy holidays, everyone. We yes. will see you Sorry, in-laws. Happy Kwanzaa. <laughs> Enjoy you know? your holiday, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>